Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bowles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And I hope all of you are staying safe, having fun in your little isolation bubbles. Uh, I got two uh, two bubble heads with me tonight. Jude Seymour, editor over at One Foot Down, and Brandon McAlinden, uh, very wanted Photoshop extraordinaire person. Uh, guys, what's up? <laughs> My kids are off for five weeks. What the hell, New York State? What the hell? Well, it could be worse. You could be uh, – we're off for three weeks, but I have children who uh, – I think we're on round 11 of Frozen 2 now. So, um, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and all you guys great. are doing is Brandon. I'm sorry, you just that, gotta let uh, that go. All you guys are doing is getting that pregnant, uh, you know, that baby inside your wife's belly, used to those sounds. I mean, uh, you don't it, want them. We are going. You don't want them coming the out. Your going. Ah, ah. They're hitting those notes as we travel into oh. the unknown. I just want to make it clear: I didn't put anybody, anything inside of Brandon's wife's belly, <laughs> or my wife's <laughs> belly, for that matter. <laughs> Hey, there I mean, no... I'll tell you what, in nine months from now, uh, <laughs> the Corona Lennials, is that what we're going to call all of the babies uh, born nine already, months from now? They all deserve a tattoo, that's for sure. I mean, no so, support, that's rough. Rough, you know? What's a guy to do? I don't know, yeah. but, you know, we're, we have to do something for our children right now. And that is, there may, who knows if there's ever sports again? We are the... You know, we are the scribes, uh, we are the the overlords and and uh, the caretakers of the of the sports of the sports world, and, uh, and and part of that is letting your children know exactly who the heroes are, who the gods are. Uh, you know, and that's what we're what we're here to do tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about Notre Dame football heroes. Um, there are many, uh, but they are. Are all on a. It's a wide scale of hero. There's there's a there's a wide definition of hero. Uh, Brendan, you want to explain the explain the differences in the heroes that we're going to get to tonight. So when it comes to heroes, there's certainly a. I believe that there is a delimination between the various types of heroes in Notre Dame lore. Um, there are the upper pantheon. Of heroes, the the ones who are carved in bronze and in granite that line uh, chiseled you know, chins, chiseled chins, uh, muscle milk drinking, uh, Adonis uh, Adonis uh, physiques. <laughs> yeah, there are those ones, but then there are also the heroes that that sometimes it's it's the moment that creates the hero. And I'm interested to see what you uh, – the, the the assignment today was to look into heroes and what heroes uh, within Notre Dame uh, we can provide. And I'm interested to see which direction that you boys went because I certainly – I believe I went my own way, um, if you will. Is this sort of like where somebody gets mad at us because they're like, I can't believe you didn't mention Brady Quinn. And it's like so obvious well, that you wouldn't mention Brady need, Quinn, that we didn't mention Brady Quinn. Be said, it does need to be said that this, this is going to be a two-parter, guys. Um, there's look, there's no live sports. I, every article in America right now that talks about sports has the opening lead of since there are no sports. <laughs> so allow me to, to keep using that since there are no sports, there's not a whole lot of new news. So, you know, a, a lot of times when we do these podcasts, we're like, we kind of, we'll wait a day or two, or maybe the day of for decide actually what we're going to do. 
But in this case, I think we're pretty sure where we're going to be sitting at, at least in the sports world. Uh, so this is going to be a two-parter. Uh, however long tonight's going to be, and then however long the next one's going to be. Uh, so there will be a lot of names. So if this particular episode doesn't have doesn't have your your God, uh, maybe the next one will. Uh, maybe yeah. none of them will. Uh, but uh, but but don't don't shoot it down after episode one. Um, I don't know. I I, th- I had something there for a Star Wars joke, but uh, we'll move on. <laughs> we can tell we can tell where your kids are at. If I'm in the frozen yeah. land. And- so what what I I think I'm hearing you saying is we're not going to do an exhaustive uh, film breakdown of Tyler Eifert's younger brother as a preferred walkout for another name. Uh, though I am very excited, uh, 2018 state champion. Uh, I just Fort Wayne, go get them, get all the Fort Wayne kids. <laughs> What's this go one? Griffin. Yeah, right? Griffin. Yeah, Griffin. after the the mythical beast and two points the, for uh, Griffin. Door. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I could have used his brother in basketball. Uh, <laughs> would, would have been nice. Oh, yeah. The one who went to Purdue, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm so terrible at names. What's the, what's the Purdue brother's name? I don't know. Eifert. Purdue Fert. <laughs> Purdue, <laughs> Purdue Fert. It's Purdue Fert. <laughs> Purdue Fert. He's dead to me. Oh. I mean, once you step foot in West Lafayette, it's over. You can go beat the that damn that w- drum. Go beat that damn drum. Get out of my life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait oh, on that Grady. one. He definitely- that's, that's slightly embarrassing. That's my son's name. Oh, wow. Grady. Sorry, Grady. All right. Yeah, good, job. good job. Good job, right. dude. So who's yeah. opening with Reginald T. Ho? Oh, stop. Uh, I've got, sorry, sorry. got 11 names. You just stole one. Keep going. Uh, no. yeah. All right. Well, so somebody, so listen, so we're talking all about Notre Dame football heroes. This is going to be just a, a round table. Uh, just imagine yourself. Uh, if you were allowed to go out to a bar, uh, just a, a bar with like really dark wood uh, and a really like dirty looking old man that you don't mind if his hands look crappy. He can see the map of the world on his face uh, pouring you out a, a, you know, a nice bourbon. Uh, it's kind of the sitting we're in. So if something gets thrown, a dart, um, you know, a stool or whatever, this is isolationism turned into lunacy. Uh, and that's basically what we're going to have tonight. So here we go. Brent, Brendan, what, why don't you, uh, why don't you kick it off here? All right. Picture yourself, if you will. Um, they haven't allowed smoking as establishment for over a decade. Yet the scent of cigarette smell still hangs deeply in the air. The year's 2002. <laughs> Damn it, you stole another one of mine. <laughs> Tyrone Willingham, we'll see, because I got a couple from 2002. Tyrone oh, Willingham okay. and the boys are rolling into the city of East Lansing. It's a dump on the banks of the Red Cedar where the couches burn for all. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I, de- I definitely know where he's going because I, I put him down I know too. where he's going. <laughs> yeah, you Don't know you where dare. I'm going. That Don't you dare. Carlo Holiday gets injured and the Irish offense completely stutters. 
they are completely inept and unable to do anything. And the game's wait, starting. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The, the Notre Dame offense under Carlisle Holiday was an abomination. So to say it stuttered after Holiday further stuttered, right. further stuttered. But, they did but, score touchdown singular and have the lead. But before you go on, we have to, we, we have to, uh, we do have to acknowledge tough motherfucker, Carlisle Holiday, tough, tough ass motherfucker. motherfucker. Love Carlisle Holiday. I mean, not, pod not officially, I'm sure he would be wrist. So. Well, that brings us so. to one Patty D. Pat Dillingham. <laughs> it was an effort, but he manages to find the hero in this particular instance. One Arnaz battle who takes a four yard sort of check down throw to the house for 60 yards. Setting so up. You're going- I'm going Arna's battle as a hero. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm not, okay. I'm not going, okay. I'm, I'm not going Pat Dillingham. Okay. Yeah. I can take my hand off the self-destruct. Take button. There are a few from that 2002 season. I believe because <laughs> that was a season of heroes in order to prop up that shame of a coach. Tyrone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But Arna's battle is my hero in that particular instance, because if it wasn't for that one play, I'm almost entirely certain that Sparty would have won that game and the 2002 season never would have fully materialized, right? If 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 Arnaz Battle doesn't take that four-yard little dump pass to the house, that's it. It's a magical, mystical season's over, and we're not crying over Boston College green jerseys. Well, they're definitely not in Sports Illustrated the following week with what the headline. Was it Return to Glory or was it Return something? Return to Glory. Yeah, because yeah. just before that, um, didn't they had didn't ESPN flash some sort of graphic about the tarnished dome and uh, oh some God. sort of not, you, you know how they, they, they roll with that. But yeah, Arna's battle is my hero because if it wasn't for his heroics and scoring that touchdown, Notre Dame loses to Sparty. And that that just whew, yeah it uh it it sets back all future heroes that you might pick from that 2002 season uh well, I mean, that question and, and so uh, i mean that's that same season i mean that, that was arna's battle down in tallahassee too yeah arna's battle but this was the moment where with, with, with the top with the tomahawk chop yeah that was great uh Little trivia for you, Brennan. Do you know who uh, hit the block that sprung at Arnaz Battle for the score? Um, I don't know who who. Uh, who so you who? had you had Pat Dillingham, who was the yes. walk-on quarterback turned scholarship quarterback at the end of the year, right? Who came yeah, in for Pat. Carlisle Holiday? It Arnaz Battle, a former quarterback who he threw to, and the guy who sprung the Gary block Gatsy? was Gary Gotsy. That's yeah, right. Tight end, Gatsy. yeah. Tight end, extraordinaire. That's who won Drew Brees head-to-head. A great story, and maybe this will shed some light if you ever see me tweet anything about it. Uh, Jared Clark was number one uh, tight end on, on that team, and that was the time where Notre Dame was just selling the shit out of jerseys with the number one on it. And my brother-in-law and I just bit this flat out the Jared Clark fan club. So anytime we see anybody wearing a number one jersey uh, at any point uh, for Notre Dame, it's Jerry Clark fan club. I mean, to this day, my brother-in-law and I will bring it up. It's, it's a, a lot of tight ends on that team. I mean, who was not, the last not person? Exactly to, tight end you. Who was the last person to wear number one in a game? Do you have any uh, idea? Yeah, I do. It wasn't, it, it was, it was, uh, it was Irish chocolate, right? Didn't they? No, didn't they, no, no in 2016, they did the rotation uh, thing. I, I want to say it was Tory Hunter. What's that? I want to say it was Tory Hunter Jr. Uh, stink. 
Like, did James Onwalu wear it for the Texas game, if I recall correctly? And then yeah, Quentin, Nelson, Quentin Nelson was awarded for, it, but he couldn't wear it because he—that's not a lineman-capable number. He went four or five games in with it that year. Yeah, they, went, they the, went about four games in with it. Yeah, I want to say two, the last was the last time. By the way, pictures of Lewis Nix, Irish Chocolate, in the number one are maybe my favorite pictures of a Notre Dame football player of all time. Yeah, they're pretty fun. I mean, maybe he would have wore zero if it was available to him. Oh, for sure he would have. Are they going to allow double zero? I don't know. Uh, I, it said just zero. Just so zero. I, I think it's just zero. Uh, but, I mean, that isn't that Bo Bauer's number? I think so. Doesn't he just say, I got to take this? I don't know. I do love it. So, all right. So let's let's get to it. Let's get to another hero, Jude. What do you got? Okay, I want to start with a little trivia question for you guys. Do you know the last the last time Notre Dame lost to Army? God damn it! (laughs) I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. And I. Does anybody know last time we lost to Army? Night. Night. I don't know. It was before World uh, War II. <laughs> it was after World War II. It was 1958. Oh, yeah, it was in the 60s. The Terry Brennan era. Um, you say it was 58? Yes, he could be considered a uh, top 10 Notre Dame coach, but Tyrone Willingham apparently has graced that, that spot. If you read our uh, blog, <laughs> onefootdown.com, it's a little plug for Connor. He's the, he is the OG Bob Davey. <laughs> He's the OG Bob Davey. Um, so anyways, the reason the answer is not 1995 was because I was in attendance. No, it has nothing to do with me. It has something to do with a 163-pound soaking wet uh, quarterback named or a linebacker named Ivory Covington. Was he a linebacker? I can't even remember to be honest. No, with he you. was a cornerback, and he's cornerback. Yeah. And oh yeah, he was 140 the pounds, maybe. Army. Uh, the way that it happened was Army uh, tied up the. Uh, let's see, they were down by one. Notre Dame was up 28-27. Army decided to go for two. This was back in the day of ties, so they could have certainly kicked an extra point and gotten a tie off Notre Dame. This was in East Rutherford, by the way, yeah, your backyard. The old Giants Stadium, East Rutherford. Yep, the the, uh, the turf, and uh, they uh, they had a they had a great play. They had a great play lined up. They got their tight end open. Uh, this 240 pound tight end named Ron Lashinsky. I believe he was six foot nine. He he was he was crafted from the gods himself. He came down from from Olympus, um, and I, I I like I I watched this play ten times last night, and I was just sitting there going, "How did he square that guy up?" Did and that thing. that his momentum did not get this two hundred and forty pound dude just one foot more. But they went at two points. It, it's the most amazing thing. I've never seen a guy get drilled and move sideways so quickly. After getting drilled, I mean, he really just he put the full force of his 163 pounds and he ran him out of bounds. He saved the two point conversion. Notre Dame will hangs on to win 28, 27. I was there. I was going out of my mind. I mean, Army sucked, but, you know, like I was a Notre Dame guy. So, like, this was a huge deal. Um, yeah, I remember watching that with my old man and both of us jumping up and about breaking the coffee table. But uh, just it was just it's that hit. Like he's like, oh, you know what happens? You're just like, except as your your guide, you won, so you flip. Yeah, it, it was like at the game. It was like at the end of Little Giants, 
when Becky the Icebox O'Shea comes into the game and then just on the on the, just makes that huge hit that knocks the ball out of Spike's hands. It was it was magisterial because she was so much smaller and yeah it was uh, and it was his, and his hamstrings remember were massaged every night with evaporated milk. <laughs> is this a is this a bad time to admit I've never seen Little Giants? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know how we can continue. Uh, it is, I mean, otherwise, well, guys, it's, been fun. it's a say a lot for football. Have you not? Have you not seen that? Do you remember her play when they ran the annexation of Puerto Rico and she was the she was the decoy and Spike went after her and she didn't have it and instead the. The, the fat kid had it and ran for the touchdown. God, that movie was good. God, don't give Judy any spoilers. Are you talking to me? <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> I alert. I remember when <laughs> when uh, when the Carolina Panthers ran the annexation of Puerto Rico with Cam Newton. I also remember when uh, Mark D'Antonio uh, ran the little Giants play against Notre Dame. With, with no time left on the clock. With no time left on the clock. Clock's at zero, man. Clock's at zero. Clock's at zero. I'm still salty about that. Ten years Two. later, still salty. I uh, I I took a, a my favorite Notre Dame shirt I had on that day, and I straight up fucking Hulk Hogan'd it. it. I just grabbed it from the middle of the chest when that play happened, and just flipped out and ripped it wide open. Uh, and as shitty about- as that mo- listen, as shitty as that moment was, oh, as crappy as that moment nice. was, when I did that. I was I, my brother-in-law. We were watching that game together. We just both started laughing. It was like the the best comic relief to take care of like the worst situation because it was just it was instantaneous shirt grab rip Hulk Hogan style out. I don't know, but it was there's zero time left on the clock. So what the fuck? All right. So to me, I get I get I gotta tell you one of my uh, all-time heroes. We need an all-time hero. So Brendan was Ivan yeah. Covington on your list too? He was number two on my list. So oh, the way I, I had Arnaz Battle and then I went Ivory Covington uh, being five foot three and tackling a uh, <laughs> six foot nine man. <laughs> All right, Josh, Couple. sorry to interrupt. Go, buddy. Oh no. A couple of things you guys should know about me first before I before I list off my first name. Uh, number one, I don't write things down like that. Like we said, we're going to do this. I just, it just kind of builds in my head. Uh, so I don't really have a ranking per se. So these guys are just, uh, when he gets to me, I'm just, there's a name. And so the first name that's in my head is the name that we talked about before we started hitting recording, which goes back to that 2002 season. And that's Vontez Duff. It's going to be so much. 2002. Return to glory. <laughs> 2002 Notre Dame, that defense that year. So good. Was so good. And it took care of so many, it covered up so many terrible offensive issues. But against Purdue, Notre Dame's down. And they're, they're, no, no offensive point scored except for a field goal. They got two fumble returns, two flipping fumble returns. Lionel Bolden and Jerome Sapp both had a fumble return in that game. And I, I, I was at that game and I look over at my brother. I'm like, hey, you know, dude, we need Vontaze Duff to pick one off from the house if we're going to win this damn thing. Moments later, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and I flipped out. And, I, and that's you have to go back to that game 
It was so that in that season, just the fact that the offense was so atrocious and the defense was, I mean, when you're putting up 20, you know, 21 points as a defense, you should be winning like 52 to nothing. <laughs> you know, it was, it was that kind of oddness, but yeah, Vontaze Duff, who's one of, you know, one of my all-time favorite Notre Dame defensive backs anyways, uh, tons of speed, um, kind of underrated it in terms of, of history goes. Um, but, uh, I, that moment that take it, taking care of business against Purdue like that. Look, I know it was Purdue, but you know, if you were to say a win's a win, like, look, this is the third defensive touchdown. And this just barely gave you the win, uh, against Purdue. Uh, you're a hero. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you mentioned Jerome Sapp, and I couldn't help but remember that Jerome Sapp once launched a uh, virtual reality cannabis app. What? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the Netflix for virtual experiences when it comes to getting high. That's what it was called. Uh, uh, Dose, I think it was called Dose. I don't recall that at all, but that is what. Uh, <laughs> it only happened a couple. Was that what? Well, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. This was after his pro football career when he played with Peyton and the whole deal or whatever. I I don't think he's and then he did this um he had this like um it was like it was a it was like grab and go, but it was like more like hello fresh it was like hello fresh meets grab and go. Uh like healthy meals like prepared, like prepackaged. And he was doing that for a while too. But anyways, that has nothing to do with anything you were just talking about. Fontes Duff, yeah, that was that was pretty good. Mendoza School of Business. Yeah. Top notch. He probably is an advisor to uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer because uh, the state of Michigan, because Michigan announced uh, that they are allowing for curbside pickup of uh, marijuana during this uh, Corona Corona pandemic. You know, what I'm thinking of I'm thinking of that kid from Niles, Michigan, that just really wanted to get stoned and watch Dracula. I'm sure he's like very excited <laughs> about this right now. He's very excited. No, no one was wanted to talk to me more than my uh, sister-in-law who lives in Niles. Like it, it was like a week and a half after that that video first came out. She's like, "Oh my god, I gotta show you this!" Like, trust me, I've I know what you're talking about. Without <laughs> you saying anything else, I know what it is. Yes, it was wonderful. <laughs> he seemed like a really fun guy. I don't know if you saw his Jimmy Kimmel interview, he, but he was a nice guy. Yeah, he was a good guy. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's excited, man. He's they've been waiting for. Look, Stoner's been waiting for that for that for their whole lives, just to be able to be themselves legally. Uh, so you know. Cu- Good on him. Be excited. Be, be be weird. Who cares? Uh, you know he was getting what he wanted out of, out of his life. That's great. Good for him. Yeah, he did it. You did it. You did it. You're a vampire. <laughs> All right, Brendan. Who do you got for your Who do you got for your second pick? So there's a couple of different ways that 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 I thought about going for this this next pick. I could keep the 2002 train rolling on. Uh, I most certainly could keep the 2002 train rolling on. Um. But I'm gonna table that for a little bit. We'll let people. We'll let 2002 breathe like a fine red wine. Sometimes you need to to open it up and let it breathe. So uh, we told the bartender out back uh, that we let it breathe. So uh, how about we take some shots, boys? Um, and here's a shot I'm gonna take at the anti David Gordon. So if you remember in the villains podcast, I brought up David Gordon sort of flippantly as being a villain, and absolutely he was a villain because he ruined the 1993 season. Um, but the anti-David Gordon is one Kevin Harper, field goal kicker for the Pitt Panthers, who in <laughs> 2002 shanked a 33-yard punt that kept Notre Dame Fighting Irish alive. And if Notre Dame would have ended up 
playing you know Kansas State or Oregon in that season rather than playing Alabama. There would have been a lot of people who All right. should have gotten some Kevin Harper tattoos across. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Brandon, let's clean this up a little bit. You said 33 Nobody yard was going, No one was going. 33 yard field goal. And, yard and you field said 2002, field. you mean? 2012. 2012, yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, and, if it, and it wasn't was it Darren Walls and Chris Brown who were both on the field at the same time wearing number two? Who were the yeah, two number two? Not Darren Walls, Ben Jackson. Yeah, ben Jackson, my bad. Yep. yep. Yeah. And that was after a Searwood uh, fumble, I believe, uh, uh, that, that yeah, set up that would have been the game-winning field goal. And, uh, yep, shank that, was a uh, fumble that was like, like that, into the end zone, but Wood fumbled it. It was like in pure slow motion. Like you could just, you could see every part of the, an inch of the, of him fumbling that across the goal line. And it's like, no, yeah, this game's reminded, already gone off for four hours. It reminded me of a Christmas story where you're like, Oh, fudge, but I didn't say fudge. I, I do distinctly I said remember. the mother of all F words. Dash, 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 dash. There are three moments in that season that live in uh, infamy, sort of in my memory. Eddie Um, Lacy? No, no. We drink to forget. forget. Um, (laughs) There's the goal line stand against Stanford, right? Obviously, uh, the fourth down goal line stand. Uh, One of the most beautiful things you'll ever witness. Manti in the rain. Uh, There's Manti in the rain against Michigan State. And uh, Stanford, too. That's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Manti in the rain against Stanford, but against Michigan State as well with the the two beams of light against Michigan State. Oh, um, and then they. And then there is. Um, and then there is. Uh, David Gordon. Sh- <laughs> or not David Gordon. Uh, Kevin Harper. Kevin Harper is shanking that kick because. I remember just completely being utterly despondent. Uh, I was at my parents' house watching that game, and I'm just skulking around the house, watching around corners for the entire, basically from when Tommy Reese almost, uh, sorry to besmirch his name, but almost blew that game um, down to the 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 fumble and then shanked kick. It was it was a it was a whirlwind. But yeah, if we're going to take David Gordon as being a villain, I'm going to take Kevin Harper as being a hero. Thank you, Kevin Harper, for keeping Send 2012 that, alive. Send that man a fruit basket. Give like him a, a a fruit basket. I didn't know? even think I didn't even think to pick non edible arrangement. Get an edible arrangement. This is good. That's good. That's a good pick. That's uh, great. For my second pick, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. Um, I was a freshman at Notre Dame in 1998, and and to be honest with you, I, I really didn't understand what we were supposed to do for away games. I obviously realized we had to watch the games, but I, I really didn't know what we should do. So um, there was these juniors that I, I don't know why they were nice enough to open up their doors to a bunch of uh, nerdy freshmen that lived around the corner from them. But we all watched the 1998 uh, away games together. So we watched the debacle that was losing it to Nick Saban's Michigan state team by a billion, uh, as I recall. And, and uh, even that game up after the, the jubilation of beating the, uh, the co national champions the year prior in Tom Brady and the Michigan Wolverines. So uh, the game that I remember Rosers. most though, from that season was, uh, was actually the BC game. And the deal with the BC game was uh, BC was driving. Uh, they were down late against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame was like basically hanging on for their life, for dear life. And, and BC got down about the one or two yard line and they had about four downs to get in. 
And uh, they didn't get in. <laughs> and the reason they didn't get in was uh, was this guy named Dee Cooper, who wore number one, uh, circling it back to the people who wore number one. And for whatever reason, the BC defender on fourth down decided to leave him completely unblocked. And he got in the backfield and he blew that guy up real bad. And it was like, I, it was, that was my first real uh, communal moment with like fellow undergrads was just, just the, listening to the whole campus erupt simultaneously. Cause we're all watching the game. We all got our windows open. It's like a nice, uh, I think October day or whatever. Oh, it, was, uh, it was a gorgeous day in the Midwest. Yeah. And, uh, and just hearing the whole like kind of South quad of campus erupt as, as, as D Cooper hit, hit that guy and, and preserved the win. So, uh, D Cooper is my, is my, uh, second hero because, um, I, the whole, the whole, the whole sequence is great. I mean, there's uh, a Johnny Sanders. There's, there's a lot of uh, great plays in that sequence, but, uh, but the, the hit with the, but D Cooper made was, was pretty much, was the most memorable one. No, that's a great pick. That's fantastic. And the thing is, you know, some of these names that we're bringing up, these were solid players. Like D Cooper was a really solid safety for Notre Dame uh, for a couple of years, but that play right there, like cemented his name in, in lore and legend. And it's why he's a hero. The real hero are these juniors that allowed Doogie Hauser, Jude Seymour <laughs> into, the, into the room with him. You know, it's funny that you say Doogie Hauser because that would suggest that I was actually smart. Uh, and I want to I want to disabuse you of that idea, too. I was I, I was not only lame, but I wasn't very smart either. So I, I really had nothing going for me. You, were, uh, you, you put out the you put out the student, the student ID and you look very young. Yeah. Bullshit. Jude, Jude walked crazy. into that room. He walked into that room with the old school, like thick ass green, uh, like spreadsheet paper, like from the old accounting days. Like I'm gonna sit down and chart some plays, boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, that's 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 a good one for sure. Uh, hey, I got some trivia for you. Okay. You ready? I, I know. I know you'll get. I know you'll get this, Jude. What was Notre Dame's first ever overtime win? Notre Dame's first, first time they ever, ever won in overtime. Washington. Uh-oh. Was it Washington? Nope. No. Um, Ooh, this is a good question. If it's not Washington, then it's Washington. Uh, <laughs> uh, I cannot believe you're not getting this. All I mean, right. no, that's that, that's enough dead air for a podcast. I, yeah, no kidding. I, 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 I'm stumped. I'm trying to think about what year we got rid of the no, ties. It must have been the 1990s. Notre Dame's first uh, first ever overtime victory came against the Air Force Falcons. Oh my God, Glenn oh, Earl! Yeah. Was that really? Yes, yes. Oh my yeah, God. Okay, exactly. sorry. Even more surprising to me, Jude, is that the guy who who, who scored the winning touchdown in overtime. No idea. Fucking Joey Gatherall. Oh my your god, really? My boy Joey Gatherall. Wow. Yes, that's your boy. So no, my my hero is is a guy who a lot like D. Cooper, another safety, another guy that played really well for a couple of years. Uh, but this was like the lore moment. Uh 28 yard field goal, Air Force kicker David Adams said he kicked it as good as he's kicked any kick in his life. Except for the fact that Glenn Earl 
despite the fact he was supposed to play safe, he was supposed to play against a fake. Uh, Tony Driver was the one that was supposed to was supposed to uh, be the one that jumped up for the block. Glenn Earl decides, nah, man, hold my beer. Goes up, blocks the kick. Game goes into overtime. Then Joey Gatherall seals it with a, uh, I think it was a, a kind of like a reverse uh, run in, the, in that game. But yeah, fucking Glenn Earl, who was a a big time hitter. But this is back. I mean, with Jerome Sapp, Glenn Earl, these are guys that made a lot of plays, low key plays back there in the Notre Dame secondary for, for a few years. Um, and I mean, this was a, a Bob Davey team uh, through and through. Uh, but yeah, I think Matt Lavecchio was quarterback uh, for that game. Uh, Julius Jones is on that team. He ran for over hundred yards that, that game, but yeah, Glenn Earl say that would have been Notre Dame's second loss to air force in a row. Uh, a few years earlier, they lost Well, Notre Dame was ranked number number eight in the country. Uh, and they lost against the Air Force. So huge, huge to get that uh, that block field goal. That came out of nowhere. I remember sitting at a friend's house uh, watching that game, and, uh, and that shit was wild. Uh, in fact, it got so wild, uh, one, of, <laughs> one of my friends punched another friend in the face, and he had to go get his fronts. I mean, he literally knocked his teeth out of the front. Oh, it was just kind of, man. It was, like a, it was a celebration punch. Like, he was so happy oh. about a punch. Uh, and, wow. that, and he had like maybe like a quarter of an inch left on his two front teeth. <laughs> so we had to rush him to the hospital right after that. Oh, man. Uh, but, but I mean, we won. It was a celebration punch. So <laughs> that that game must have happened in I uh, say late, late October of 2000, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was uh, October 28th, 2000. My, my bad. Perfect. So, so yeah. the reason the reason I remember this is I actually had a conversation with Adam Sandler about this game, and so here's the backstory. Time that. out, time out. Did you just wait? Oh, 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 oh. You just did name yeah. drop Adam. What? You just name drop Adam Sandler? Yeah, and and if I can find this pic, this really fucking embarrassing picture. Excuse my French of uh, me uh, posing oh, with Adam Sandler. You will know uh, that I was every every bit the geek I was just talking about in the last segment. So um, I wrote for The Observer, which is the student newspaper, and I wrote film reviews. And um, The Observer was 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 uh, invited to a, a screening of Little Nicky, which was the Adam Sandler movie that was coming out at oh, the time yeah. uh, in Chicago. And my editor brought me. And so this is actually a guy named Matt. Uh, who I'm, I'm still friends with, and and uh, it, we're supposed to go to Vegas for the draft next month, and that's not going to work out. But anyways, that's another story. Um, and so we went to the the screening, and the movie was not very good. Um, but the Q and A afterwards was fantastic. I don't know about that one, Jude. Okay, all right. We'll introduced, di- introduced America to Popeyes. We'll agree to disagree. That's fine. Um, the Q and A afterwards was fantastic. So it was Adam Sandler, this guy named Alan Covert, who's he's been in a lot of the Adam Sandler movies. He was like the the um, the caddy in Happy Gilmore. He's a wedding singer, Big, Big Daddy. He was in all of those or whatever. Um, and this third guy, and I don't even remember who he was, but um, they were talking about the movies, and they just they had us laughing for I don't know half an hour, forty minutes, and then we got a chance to take pictures and talk with him. And so it was like one of these like. Hey, my name is Jude Seymour. I'm from the University of Notre Dame. And he's like, oh, hey, that quite a game or whatever. And we started talking about it. 
and we talked about Glenn Earl, and he mentioned that one of his buddies lost a lot of money <laughs> betting on that game, which I guess is not surprising because <laughs> I would imagine Notre Dame was probably pretty favored in that game. So, um, yeah, it was it was probably a two and a half minute conversation, you know, and with the picture probably with you know three or four minutes or whatever, but it was mostly about that about that game. That's what I remember about. That's why it sticks in my head so vividly. And I didn't remember it was the first <laughs> overtime game, but I remember talking to Adam Sandler about it. So that's my story. That's a good, that's a fucking quality story. The fact that uh, Sandler knew that his buddy was uh, close to the ledge on that one, as we all were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brendan, I think it's your turn to pull another one out of your pile there. Dude, I got another one to pull out of my pile, and we will. Uh, I like this. I like the trend that we have going on here. So, um, let's sort of run through it. Uh, we have all uh, oh, Bob Davy recruits. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mentioned something, no, he's not a Bob Davy recruit, but it is Bob Davy. Uh, so we've we've run the we've almost run the gauntlet of service academies, haven't we? We we have uh, an Air Force uh, overtime winner. <laughs> oh my God. We okay. have a. Um, we have an army, army uh, goal line stand, and I'm gonna take us back in the way back machine, way back machine to Bob Davies' first season, 1997, when the Naval Academy tosses a hail mary that is tipped oh, wow. by yeah. several Notre Dame football players, and it looks like Navy is going to score with zeros on the clock, if not for the heroics of one Alan Rotham who pushes the Naval Academy guy and just sort of knocks the ball out of the air. Zeros hit the clock and Notre Dame's able to hold on preserving the longest uh, winning streak in college football. That's an excellent choice. And That's a great Rossum choice. Isn't, and Rossum isn't just a, uh, a one-time Notre Dame hero. He pulled oh, out no. a few. He pulled uh, out I mean, Notre Dame. Oh yeah, I, I absolutely could have went with um, Jarius Jackson in '99 against Navy. Uh, sort of, oh, take, uh, there's a whole, the whole list of heroes against uh, the, the the Naval Academy to preserve that streak until, uh, well, Evan <clears throat> Sharpley. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. So I I do this a lot, but I embarrassed myself when I met Alan Rossum. So this is 2013, maybe. And I'm hanging out with uh, Oak, Tim O'Connor at the uh, NDFIM offices. And he just he's like, so matter of fact, he's like, oh, hey, uh, Alan Rossum's here. And I'm like, oh, Alan Rossum, <laughs> you know, and so he goes over and I'm like and I'm totally telling myself before this happens, like, play cool. Just say like, hey, good to meet you. You know, like be be cool, you know. And instead, it was like, I went to the Pittsburgh game in 1996 when you returned a punt and a kickoff return for a touchdown. And oh, my God, it was the greatest thing ever. And oh, my I God, that, thing, yeah, that game against I love and, you. you know, and he's just like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and I was just like, hey, you know, and I was fully into the full on gushing. So uh, hey, Paul McCartney, hey, Paul McCartney, he's, remember he's, when you were in the Beatles? Deserving. But he is absolutely deserving of your gushiness. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing is like Alan Rossum, he was cool. You know, like he was absolutely, you know, he said that he said the right things or whatever. But I, I just was like, there was no chill about me. I was just was very much like a, he was as tall as you. What's that? Like you guys, you were probably amazed uh, that he's your your height. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they we did. We did tow up pretty, uh, pretty evenly. <laughs> it's funny. No, that's a great that's a great one. Uh, for God, for so many reasons, Brendan, that's a great one. 
Yeah, I figured because it was it was down there on my list, but I wanted to keep the train going of just like dunking on the service academies at any yeah, at any so, chance we can get. So Americans heroes, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> it's basically, basically what we're saying here. Can I tell you who the real heroes of America is? I think well, we just did, didn't we? No. <laughs> Ivory Covington, Al Russell. I think uh, I think the real hero would be at this particular point a commercial break. Yep, you're better at that than I am. I just <laughs> would have looked up. I would have looked up at the clock. I would have looked up at the clock at about an hour and ten minutes into it, been like, eh, time for a break. But yeah, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with uh, more heroes. Okay. I'm going to keep this train moving, man. This is a God. We could do five parts. There's just so many great, so many great, not just great, but like fun moments. Um, and what I think is funny is uh, not only are we dunking on the service academies, but like our time span is like within this, this, this like little five year block, um, which, you know, kind of puts us back into a, what were we doing? Our, our late teens, early twenties, uh, still a very impressionable time in our life. So, uh, so what's what's your next one you got, Jude? Uh, I'm going to go back a little bit further. Uh, this would have been, well, 1990 to 1992 era. Um, I picked Reggie Brooks, and I think the reason I picked Reggie Brooks initially was um, for probably the third or fourth greatest moment as a, as a Notre Dame player, and that was uh, the interception that he had to seal the game uh, against Michigan in 1990, because if you recall, uh, Reggie Brooks started off as a, as a defensive back, uh, before he switched over to, uh, the fullback running back position that he had. So he actually had the, the, uh, he picked off an Elvis Gerbach pass to help uh, Notre Dame seal the 1990 victory against, uh, Michigan. But, um, the, the one I really want to talk about is the 1992 snowball game. Uh, this was the uh, two point conversion. So, I've I'm staring at that picture in my office right now. Vivid memories of that game too, as well. Um, watching that on NBC at first or I think it was second year of the NBC contract. But um, basically, the way that Reggie tells the story is that he uh, he he his vision's not good enough for him to to uh, play without glasses or or contacts. But he hated uh, he could play with glasses, and he hated wearing his contacts, so he would never put them in in practice. So he actually got this reputation in practice as a, as a, as a running back who couldn't actually catch the ball. Um, he was not the first pick on that play. In fact, uh, I think it was supposed to go to the tight end. I think if he, if he tells the story, if I recall him telling the story correctly, um, he was supposed to clear out the kind of the middle of the zone. It didn't happen that way. Uh, it, it got cleared out, but it got, it, it, it was, uh, or it wasn't, it didn't get cleared out. He kind of, he drifted off and nobody covered him. And so, uh, the blitz comes and Meyer has to roll out and basically I think thrown off his back foot, if I recall correctly. And it's not a, it's not a great pass. It's not an easy pass to catch. No. And, no. uh, and Brooks comes kind of the tippy toes of our tippy toes, tippy fingers, well, let's see fingertips. Wow. Words. Um, and he gets it on and the fingertips friend. and he comes down with it and he, and he hauls it in and they beat freaking Penn state and Joe Paterno. And it was it was just it was just a magical day because the snow was falling and the like the whole deal and the, it was great it was a good season, um, I mean a little bit of a wasted season but 
Um, they beat Penn State, and they did it in such a heroic fashion. On the, I don't know if it was the final play of the game, but it was right at the end. So uh, Reggie Brooks is, is my pick. Uh, obviously, we could talk about the unconscious touchdown that he against scored Michigan, against, yeah. against Michigan. Oh, he yeah. Had, he had some really great games against Michigan. Well, sure did. And not only that, but like against USC. I mean, I know that we're on a roll and USC is just trash, but I think – I think already we've dismissed, uh, you know, any thoughts of like what has been done when we talked about 2012, Brendan, you talking about the great moments of that season, how about just, you know, like beating SC, uh, but, uh, Reggie Brooks, he looked like he played, yeah, he was in the NFL and USC was playing high school. Uh, yeah, he just flew past guys. It just, he was an incredible player with thighs thicker than, than Redwoods. I mean, the fact that there's a running back with the number 40 out there has to get your loins pretty uh, salty. <laughs> Forever and always. <laughs> I mean, if you see a, if you see the numbers four and zero and it's holding the football, uh, Joshua Vowles is uh, he's excited. That, he's ready to go. That, that's got That's definitely our first like heavy hitter. Like, like if we were to like line up all the, all our heroes so far. Reggie Brooks is definitely uh, the guys that we mentioned. He's, he's a heavy hitter. Yeah. The, the other guys are, are good players that had a great moment, but Reggie Brooks had more than one great moment. That guy's a, uh, uh, you know, a great player, heavy hitter, uh, kind of a guy. That's a good choice. A good choice. Thank I, you. Would you, you have a heavy hitter? Well, it, it, uh, it kind of makes me want to stick around in that era a little bit. Um, but I'm gonna get back to I'm gonna get back to that era. Uh, I got something that uh, that I'm gonna get out. I'm just gonna get this over and done with uh, because uh, it needs to be said. Jimmy Clausen was a true Notre Dame hero. Wow. Absolutely. All right. All right, let's hear it. And I, I, I'm gonna give you just just one game example, uh, just to just oh. to show. Do you mind if I guess? Uh, go ahead. 2009 Michigan State. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say Absolutely. 2007 Michigan. No, I think we've talked about this before. I, 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 I'm fully bought in, but tell, tell the, tell the listeners yeah. why, why this game is so important. So first of all, okay. Notre Dame wins. Notre Dame beats Michigan state 33, Sometime early in the second quarter, uh, Jimmy Clausen gets sacked, uh, which is n- nothing new. Uh, he never had an offensive line that, uh, that protected him. Uh, he was always, Constantly had pressure, uh, but he's just an amazing quarterback that uh, uh, he was able to rise above many in many occasions. Sometimes not. He just could nothing that guy could do. But it gets Michigan State. He goes down in the second quarter, uh, and it's he's got turf toe, um, which is not a laughable injury. It is a extremely painful, hard injury to play on. Um, you know, Rocket missed a couple of games, uh, you know, at Notre Dame because of turf toe. He dogged um, him the whole year. Yeah, yeah. So, so and this was early on. This was like second. This is the third game of the season. Uh, I was against Michigan State, and that was in the second quarter. He missed two plays. He comes back. Clawson threw for over 300 yards. And yes, boys, this is the game that Golden Tate, uh, you know, gave <laughs> to the band. He, yeah, he forgot he where he was. Yeah, he forgot that, where he was. That was what. And if you watch, I mean, if you go back and watch that play, I mean, everybody waits for Golden Tate tea bag of the band. But really watch that. That was a 33-yard pass. Like, just like – Clawson – I mean, Clawson and Tate is one of the more 
it was one of the best combos in Notre Dame history. Um, j- just like watch, watch that pass, watch that catch. It, it was completely on point. Tate was able to catch it full stride, uh, which is why he couldn't stop himself <laughs> uh, going into the band. But he went that whole game, and if he kept picking himself up off the ground. He was hobbling. He could, I mean, he barely looked like he could move, and yet he was able to do, you know, 300 yards. That's that's nothing to laugh. That's nothing to sneeze at while you're injured. And then that pass so on point. I mean, he was Clawson was 22 of 31 that game. That's a great. It wasn't just he, he didn't throw 50 passes to get 300 yards. Uh, and two touchdowns, but that, obviously that one to Tate was was the biggest one. Um, but you know, Jimmy Clawson, that game alone stands out. And there's a few other examples, um, you know, and yeah, you know, you bring up 2007 Michigan and people would laugh at that, but fuck you. You know, the, he had the, the entire offensive line was pissed that Evan Sharpley wasn't the quarterback. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm getting crushed back there. Yeah. He got I, sacked. What, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a video. There's a, there's a John, screen cap John where there's Sullivan, like John Sullivan is not, is a, is an NFL player that is not very celebrated by Notre Dame fans. And why? Because we all saw how much he olayed that season, uh, because he didn't want Jimmy behind him. He had a problem with Clawson. I mean, just you go back and watch the film. I, well, first play from I, scrimmage in that Michigan game, he chucked it over Armando Allen's head. So yeah, so I mean, it's it is what it is. But so that, I mean, my 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 quick story on that is probably about a year or a year and a half ago, I was. I was going back to watch that game. It was it was available on YouTube at the time. I really hope it still is. Uh, There's this Russian dude named Alexander who posted a lot of the 2009 um, season up there, and I was I was watching it because I knew it was the Golden Tate game or whatever. And I walked away way more impressed with Jimmy Clausen. Like I had totally forgotten what he endured through that game. And I I just encourage people to if you especially if you don't like Jimmy Clausen to rewatch that game and just and just see how a guy just totally gutting it out. Like you can tell that is not a comfortable injury to, to plant a foot on, to backpedal on, to scramble out of. And he's just he's making it work. And it's, no, and people it's a, shit on Jimmy Clausen all the time. Yeah. And let me tell you, how, how many instances were there where Jimmy complained? He was on some yeah. shit teams for reasons other than him. Not once did you ever hear because I'm telling you, if he would have. The media would have went fucking nuts on it. Not once did he complain. He always gave credit. He, he pushed credit off to all his players, like you know, like a good quarterback should. But the guy absolutely lives stoically as a player. You know, say all you want about his commitment and all that shit, which is all tame as hell compared to about some of the other stuff that goes on nowadays. I mean, oh, people yeah. don't like Jimmy Clausen because he because of his fucking haircut. Come on. I mean, come on. Uh, get get off the interweb, Karen. <laughs> I mean, so people just God. can't just can't can't appreciate this, a couple of a couple of bros hanging out on a boat. Yeah, this is a guy. This is, oh yeah, <laughs> solid picture. He's a Southern California kid. He sure whose is. brother played big time college football. He's gonna have and who dominated was the LeBron James of of high school football. Dude, just dominated. He's gonna have a little bit of an ego, but not once not once while as a player. Did you ever see that the ego come out there on the field or in press conferences? Did he get punched out at a bar at Notre Dame in 2009? Yeah. I don't have all the details for that, nor do I give a fuck. Slaps a visor on, goes out, beats there, and plays Stanford. So, uh, whatever. Jimmy Claus is a fucking hero. No, we stand for Jimmy Claus here. Best pure passer 
best pure passing quarterback in Notre Dame history. Period. Uh, let me period. check my notes. Um, I don't. I don't. I'm like trying to spot the lie. There is none. <laughs> there is none. All right, Brendan. Who who are you gonna follow up with that? Uh, well, there's only one player uh, to follow up with that. Um, Jimmy Clausen, love him. Stand for Jimmy Clausen, but sadly he was never able to get it get done against USC. But you know who did get it done against USC? He played mm-hmm. with Jimmy Clausen, but it was I, one Robert Hughes. Bobby Hughes. <laughs> it was Bobby Hughes as a absolute hero. Because if you recall, for a lot of that game, Sierra Wood was getting fed the rock. But then on the game-winning drive, what ended up being the game-winning drive, Sierra Wood fumbled the ball in Tyler Eifert. In his own right, if you wanted to give Eifert a hero award, it could be for saving that football game by collecting that fumble um, after Sierra oh, Wood. Great point. He had a huge run. He had like a 21-yard run on that final drive and fumbled it. And you know what Kelly does when a player fumbles? They go to the back of the bench, and the only player who was there, Tommy Reese had thrown three picks so far that game. It was pouring rain, horrible conditions. Nobody could do anything. You saw Robert Woods end up dropping a pass that would have won the game later in the game. You could not pass it. So what did Kelly do? He leaned on. He did what ND Nation claims that he does not do. He ran the damn ball. And on that final drive, Robert Woods, when the entire stadium and all of America watching, <laughs> knew that they were going to run the football, he went six Robert yards. Hughes. You Robert, Robert Hughes. You said yeah, Robert, Robert Woods, but Robert, yes. uh, yeah, ra- yeah. Robert Hughes went for six yards, 12 yards, 13 yards, and with seven players draped on his back, and there was an additional, I think, eight players in coverage. USC would have been flagged for a penalty for having half the roster on the field anyway at that time. Sanctioned roster, I might add. Um, push through, and then he throws that fist upwards, just exercising the demons of a decade of futility against. It was since 2001 was the last yeah, time Notre Dame beats last year. Yeah. yeah. So it was a, according to Jude, an entire decade of. <laughs> well, in 2000 was the last time they'd beaten USC in the Coliseum. So you got that going for you, Bob uh, Davey. Bob so Davies it took well. a it took a Bob it took two Bobs in order to get it done. It took Bob <laughs> Davy and then it took old Bobby Hughes. Hughes. Oh, it took and three because Bobby Farmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bob. Yep. Uh, which so, actually, which actually, uh, Notre Dame, uh, old former Notre Dame running back Robert Farmer. Just, just another Bobby Farmer hang, hanging out. There. Just a bunch of Bobs getting it done. You know the Bobs. <laughs> Um, and they had, there was a, um, a mistake and Bobert, Bobert Hughes had to correct it. And yeah, Robert Hughes, the monkey that came off of our collective backs, that 2010 season, all of the things that went into it, the coaching change, there was, you know, Declan Sullivan, there was all of the things that went into it. It looked like they weren't going to make a bowl game. Then Utah punt happened and, culminating with that six win against USC. It was, it was, it was magical. And, and I, and I thank Robert Hughes for that. Yeah. Great. That's good. Um, my fourth pick is going to be, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start with a little bit of a backstory. So my wife and I went to the 2005 Notre Dame Michigan state game. And I would say, um, and I might get some hate for this. I would say that's probably the best game I've ever attended. Um, Ooh, that's very controversial. Yes. Very controversial. So 
Uh, who won that say, game? It's weird to say because Michigan Very controversial. State definitely won that game. Um, what did they do they, at the end of that game? They definitely planted their flag at the 35-yard <laughs> line. <laughs> All right, just so we get the facts out of the way. So, um, but anyways, back and forth, Notre Dame, huge, huge comeback uh, before falling short. Um, so fast forward a year, um, and obviously we play Michigan State every single year. But before that, uh, we played Michigan. And uh, Notre Dame was a lot of hype. They were the number two team in the nation coming in. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Brady Quinn on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And uh, Mario Manningham just absolutely freaking torched uh, Terrell Lambert. Just like literally like abused him uh, in that Michigan game. So uh, he was solid abuse. It was pretty hated uh, coming to the Michigan State game. And, you know, they look like uh, they looked uh, like an awful football team. For uh, probably two, well, yeah, almost two full quarters of that game. I think they were down 17 at the half against Michigan State. In a State. monsoon. In, in a monsoon. The mon- in the monsoon. And, um, you pucker, know, pucker. the reason that they had <laughs> – Pucker, pucker. <laughs> um, the reason that – Teddy Ruxpin. Uh, <laughs> the reason that they had a comeback was Terrell Lambert. <laughs> Are you uh, sure it wasn't HR Puffin stuff? It was not HR Puffin stuff. It was Terrell Lambert who um, returned a – probably about a 30 yard interception for a pick six to put the Irish up 40 to 37 and then had one of the oh, most was like two fifty three left on the clock. Unbelievable uh, interceptions to, to seal the game where it was a Mike Richardson tips the pass and it hits off the Michigan state receivers back and Charles Lambert kind well, of like yeah, rolls and grabs it to seal the game. And uncle Brent called it incomplete. At first, I remember the because I had to just throw my paper away because that uh, Terrell Lambert was one of mine as well. Yeah, Uncle Brent called it incomplete, and then because they probably would have ended up with a field goal if it wasn't for that, right? They were at the forty-yard line, and all he would have had to done is uh, complete one more pass. It was like first or second down, and it was Kirk Cousins too, right? No, it was Drew Stanton. Oh, it's Drew Stanton. Okay. J.U. Colcrick was a beast. Mike plays. Mike plays. <laughs> Yeah, and so what we're alluding to is there's a, a radio broadcaster named Mike Valenti who's uh, a Michigan State fan. And you guys don't Detroit radio station. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that I would be explaining Mike Valenti. But just in case you don't know, uh, look up Mike Valenti's epic 2006 rant, Michigan State, on YouTube. Um, there's a fella on uh, Twitter named Irish Rue who taped it. And then 10 years, 10 years after the fact— uh, the original radio station stole it back from him, did a copyright claim, <laughs> uh, took it down for a day, and then put his exact audio back up with uh, Mike's picture on it. But, oh, it's uh, it's so good. Uh, that ran the whole Pucker, reason Pucker? I ever wanted to start podcasting. Oh, man. I, 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 felt, I never felt closer to a human being before <laughs> in my life. I, I mean, I love Valenti. I absolutely love him, which is just the weirdest thing for like a Homer radio guy for the, for your hated rival. Oh, uh, I, fucking love, so I love oh, Mike Valenti. Yeah, but he, he absolutely gets on, uh, he gets on Michigan pretty hard oh, too. He gets on Michigan real hard. He's such a great yeah. listen. To, you're right. He is such a great listen to when he's trashing Michigan. Uh, yeah. he, you can forgive him for other things. Uh, but I mean, I love him. And that, that rant was, was absolutely like, I felt like I feel this. I'm listening to that and I'm laughing my ass off. But at the same time, I'm like pounding my chest. Like, like, dude, that's like my fucking soul brother right there. Cause he's just laying it all out. 
He starts bitching about his dad having been at that game, having to watch this. <laughs> like, oh God, the the whole thing is it's just so amazing. It's so amazing. And I think at the time it was um oh a house that rock built. Uh, <laughs> the, uh old Notre Dame blog did some great great things with puppets. Uh, but they were the first ones. I remember them put him posting that up. I like this is like the best thing I've ever witnessed in my life. And it was. I mean, it was fantastic. Ah, but Terrell so Lambert, much. you're right. Dude, Total redemption. It'd be, it'd be like if Gary Gray redeemed himself after Michigan uh, under the lights action. Choked on applesauce. Do you remember choked on applesauce, yeah. too? Yeah, oh, choked apple. on applesauce. Michigan <laughs> State sat there and choked on applesauce. Oh, but his partner is like, like, Terry, stop. Uh, uh, Terry Foster. Shut up. Foster. Oh, yeah, he's like, shut up. He's we like, talk about this. <laughs> No, T. T. Foss is like Mike. I think you need to take a break. Your voice losing. You're losing your voice. I'm not messing around. Just, dude, lo- I mean, lost it. It was it was pure magic. I mean, there's no way else to describe it. If you haven't listened to it, where a where the fuck have you been? Uh, and then B, it's, it should go. be a two parter. I believe the rant is a two parter because he comes back from commercial break and he still brings it. Make <laughs> plays, make plays. Oh gosh. Too good. <laughs> good times. All right. So Terrell Rambert was my fourth pick. That was uh that was that was fun. Thanks, guys. We're we're getting pretty late in the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to lay out I I I didn't know if I really didn't know if I wanted to lay out a hip, a heavy hitter just yet. I mean you 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 dropped Jimmy Clausen. That's a pretty heavy hitter. I you know, but but it's not. But I mean <laughs> a heavy I mean it for me, it is, and I believe he should be, but for, like, the consensus Notre Dame fan base. Like, like Reggie Brooks is a consensus hero, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. for the yeah. – Yeah, I don't think anyone would be like, oh, yeah, Reggie Brooks. Wow, I haven't thought about that name in 20 years, you know? So There's I, a consensus of Reggie I'm, Brooks, too. I'm going to drop down another consensus hero, uh, but – if you just give me a second, guys, I, I I need to go pull pour a bowl of Cheerios real quick. <laughs> oh, a little Florida, Florida, Florida bowl game action here. I, I see how we're going. Gator chomping. Yeah, I'm chomp. if, we lay, if we don't lay some uh, some heavy hitters out, people are going to riot. Detroit, uh, but, Detroit Sun. Uh, Jerome Bettis. Yeah, there in he the is. Sugar, in the Sugar Bowl against Florida. Just. Uh, especially second half style, just going off against the Gators. Uh, I mean, you've never seen a big man uh, run so fast. I mean, it's just, I don't know what you say to that. <laughs> you know, you, like this was a season would like, lead up to that game. Nobody thought Notre Dame uh, should be there playing Florida. Uh, I mean, th- that's where the joke comes from, uh, you know, about, Notre Dame and Cheerios and, and a bowl. Uh, but, you know, Notre Dame showed up. They had the, the holes pulled out, the green jerseys, the whites with the green in them, I, should, I might add. God, I wish uh, they would bring those back. Oh, uh, they were just, it's just so gorgeous. They're gorgeous. Uh, and Jerome Bettis just showed why. Yeah, he how, many, best. how many touchdowns did he have in that game? Was it three or four? Uh, I want to say it was three. Right. I, th- I don't know. Let me I, I could I could pull up the old Google machine. 
but um, colloquially, let's just say that he had seven touchdowns in that football game all in the second <laughs> half, all in the fourth quarter. I believe all f- all four of his seven touchdowns, including a uh, 49, a 39, and a and a uh, 69 nice uh, yard touchdown. I, I actually do believe he did have a uh, 49 yard touchdown in that game. Um, oh, it was ridiculous. It was like it, he's playing fullback. Yeah. It, it, as, soon as, he, as soon as he gets the ball. I mean, he's like a, he's a yard away from scrimmage and it's just like, boop, there he goes. Like, it's incredible. It was, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, look, everybody knew how good, how good he was before, you know, before that game anyways, but just the, I mean, just watching that, it was just like, you're one of the best ever, (laughs) you know, without a doubt you are, you're pretty fucking good. (laughs) So whatever happened to that guy? (laughs) I, I, I wish I could tell you. I he wish I could. He went on to fumble a football against the Indianapolis oh, Colts wow. and caused the man to have a heart attack. But then the Pittsburgh Steelers ended up going to the Super Bowl and then they beat the uh, CLC Hawks in the city that Jerome Bredis is from. Uh, the and then city he re- properly retired. And he promptly retired and it was very heroic and fantastic. And a storybook ending for a storybook player. You know, I'm trying to think too. I think Bettis only had two. He would also make an awful flag football teammate, by the way, because <laughs> he cheats. So fuck that commercial because <laughs> a 275 pound man would be an awful flag football player to play running back because you can't play full contact. Yeah, it seems like a real liability. That, did you guys know that uh, in that game? The you know Shane Matthews said, game, the guy no, I'm still thinking about that Sugar Bowl. You know Shane Matthews set like the Sugar Bowl passing record in that game. No, really? I'm pretty sure it Hold still on. stands to this day. I would I don't doubt know if it still stands to this day. Yeah, We're talking, today. talking 30 years later, but who was the who was the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame? Was it Brian Bayless? <laughs> it said set Sugar Bowl records for passing yards, 307, 370 yards, and completions at 28. I, I'm sure the completions is way, way gone now. Um, and fuck, Florida outgained us 511 to 433. So, mm. I mean, Georgia and Baylor played in a, uh, a well, they don't, they don't pass. Uh, ooh, if you look at the history of the Sugar Bowl, there's not a ton. Oh, well. Alabama and Ohio State played a Sugar Bowl in 2015, which I would imagine uh, might have tilted and the look, scoreboard a little. Michael bit. Vick and played in a Sugar Bowl, right? Yeah, he yeah. ran oh, yeah. football. And from that, listen, from that game, from that night, from that Sugar Bowl game, one of the more iconic pictures that is like extremely hard to find. Like, there's you can just you can Google it, but you can't find it. Any, like it, Gettys doesn't have it, as far as I know. Uh, it, it's hard to find. Like I would want that to, I would want that as my poster. Um, it, you know, I would want that frame to my wall is the one of, of Meyer and them doing the Chomping. gator chop yeah. running off. The, I mean, it is an amazing, absolutely awesome picture. Uh, it, it's from an era, you know, of, you know, Miami of people, you know, Miami's a bunch of shit talkers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, all this, all the Notre Dame old timers fucking talking shit, but that's like a, that's a pretty shit talky thing to be doing. Three dudes running off the field, gator chopping. Uh, yeah, it, so it, amazing game, amazing career for Jerome Bettis. Uh, like I said, I, I felt the need uh, to throw out a heavy hitter, uh, and uh, a giant fullback uh, is right up my alley. Perfect. 
So are we calling it there tonight, or are we going to do another round? Uh, oh, shit. We're only an hour and seven minutes in, Jude. Are you high? <laughs> are you high, Jude? Are, I are, are you I, in Michigan my, right now? I had my cat on my lap. <laughs> are you watching? Are you watching something about vampires? <laughs> no, I'm gonna check no. out the new net Netflix. No, we got we got much more in us. Let's go. All right, cool. Are we done yet, Brent? You're back up, dude. I would like to point out that there was a football game played in the Sugar Bowl between the University of Notre Dame and LSU, where Jamarcus Russell threw for 332 yards. I, um, I I don't recall what you're talking about. I, I just put that out. They scored 41 points. It was. Oh, you're talking about the game that convinced Durham Smythe he wanted to go to Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah. Dur- yeah. 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 yeah that's, that was the one. Um. So I'm up, right? Do I get Do I get to drop a hero? We've certainly lived in the past a little bit. Um. So the question is, do I want to take a, an approach of? There's been one Brian Kelly era player, Robert Hughes. Is that it? And really, it's he's. That's the beginning. I really wish Jimmy Clausen would have been a Brian Kelly era player. player. Me too. Um, me too. Uh, Although that, that would have Jimmy. stunted the legend. That would have stunted the legend of Tommy Rees, though. I thought you were gonna say the, the legend of uh, Dane Crest. Um, <laughs> Bad tale. All right. You know what we'll do? We'll we'll take it. We'll take a we'll take a. Um, more recent player. We'll bring some of the uh, Gen Zers into the mix, right? We'll invite them to our party uh, rather than having us older uh, millennials and Gen Xers play in this space. What do you think about a little uh, little guy named Deshaun Kaiser in 2015 coming in relief for an injured um, Malik Zaire? What do, what do you feel about the Virginia game? So you're you're gonna give this moment to Kaiser instead of Fuller? I'm gonna give this moment. I, 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 to, I, I'm just making sure we're what, what we're doing here. I'm giving this moment to Kaiser rather than Fuller because we knew Fuller already from from he had a pretty good season in 2014. I mean he made some plays. Um, you know we knew he was fast. We did not know that Deshaun Kaiser, and this was the face that launched a thousand ships. This was his Helen of Troy moment where. Malik Zaire goes down, and he wasn't playing that well in the game to begin with. And when Malik Zaire's leg snapped in half, where were where were you at as far as emotional? Deshaun Kaiser almost transferred out of the University of Notre Dame that spring because he was running third string. Am I wrong? He was a player that he had a Phil Jerkovic, Jerkovic performance. <laughs> In the spring, it was one of the if, – if it wasn't for Phil's performance last year in the spring game, we'd be talking about Kaiser's having the worst quarterback performance in the blue-gold game that we're probably not playing – well, we're not playing it this year. So um, – and then he comes into a football game, and if you followed Notre Dame football at all, the only thing you know about Deshaun Kaiser coming into that football game against Virginia is that he looked awful in the spring game. And he throws that bomb oh, terrible. to – he throws that bomb to Will Fuller and super surrender Cobras. That Virginia fan keeps that magical 2015 season alive. And that was that set off the entire run of, of Kaiser as well as uh, the rest of the season was that one pass. So if we're going to say moment and hero, um, certainly I could give it to Will Fuller, but Will Fuller run fast, but Kaiser found the spot. 
I'll give that to you. I'll give that I, to you. I'm down. I mean, I, I definitely felt like he was a hero that that day. No, I do, but I, I think I think Will Fuller gets gets most of the credit on that. For, but uh, I, I mean, almost, you can almost call it an unsung hero because of how much credit Fuller actually does get for that play. He gets a lot, but I mean, those sort of dimes we haven't seen those sort of dime bombs since Kaiser, right? We didn't see him from Wimbush a whole lot and book. That isn't necessarily his skill slot, but the thing that was established with Kaiser, that Kaiser to fuller connection. Um, I, I mean, you saw it on full display and, um, that was sort of the, the, um, the catalyst for the, the whole thing that would be that connection moving onward that would allow us to that 2015 USC game with the bombs, um, as well as the 15 Stanford game that didn't work out great, but the bombs there too. Uh, yeah. I like it. I like that pick. Yeah. I'll go, I, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that for sure. All right, Jude. Well, uh, what do you got? Are you gonna? Are, you gonna um, are we going back know, to the nineties? I think I'm. I think I'm gonna get criticized for <laughs> for not picking anybody recent, but um, I want to talk about George Gipp because I think he was kind of the original hero, um, and I think he's <coughs> been. I think he's been uh, mythologized a little bit, and some of those. It's hard to separate uh, fact from fiction uh, in terms of you know his carousing and his uh, his general. Uh, behavior before he got sick and then obviously being used as a as a tool um, in the infamous win one for the Gipper speech uh, for to inspire the Notre Dame uh, team to beat I think it was Army I think it was another Army game um, you know at halftime they weren't playing very well and then obviously uh, you know Rockney says you know something to the effect of tell the boys to win one for the Gipper and they win right but um this is a. I, I was looking up George Gipp one time. And I don't remember why, but I found this story and I and I gotta share it with people because I, I think it's hilarious. So it, it says uh, this is from an article from 1940, and basically they're um, they're uh, they're talking about the the movie Newt Rockney All American, uh, which I don't. If you haven't seen it, I mean, obviously spend some time during the quarantine session to, to watch it. Um, but it says uh, one fall day, Rockney was thinking. He would have a great team if he could find a great, a good runner and kicker. He noticed a new student amusing himself by drop kicking a pigskin almost in 60 yard. What's your name? Asked the coach. George Gipp. Are you a football player? No, I play baseball. Well, said Rockney, come out and play a little football. Okay, said the disinterested student. If you want. A few days later during practice, Rockney noticed Gipp lying on the ground, apparently asleep. Are we boring you? Asked Rockney. No, yawned Gip. I'm just relaxing. Okay, snapped Rockney. Just go in there in the freshman backfield and relax a little against the varsity. How far do you want me to run? Asked the impudent Gip. Ah, the varsity will take care of that, said the exasperated coach. On his first play, Gip reeled off 60 yards for a touchdown through the famous varsity, trotted back to Rockney, handed him the ball, and said, Is that what you had in mind, coach? I, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I love the whole, like, can't doesn't give a shit sort of attitude. Um, you know, the story that I heard when I was on campus, I don't know, I don't know who, how much of this is mythology or how much I bastardized this story was that, um, basically he contracted pneumonia because he was out drinking and he got, and he basically was so drunk that he fell asleep in front of Washington hall 
and slept there on a really cold night. So I, I just I think the whole thing uh, uh, amuses me. And uh, and uh, you know George Gipp is a, is a hero. He was a great he was a great player who also turned into uh, an inspiration, a lightning rod for for a lot of stories that we still tell to this day. So uh, George Gipp is my my fifth pick. I would like to point out that you are well aware of my hatred of one feeling Yost, a horrible racist uh, from the University of Michigan. Um, are you aware that feeling Yost once spread a rumor that? Uh, Newt Rockney refused to pay for George Gipps' uh, expenses. I did, I did know that. <laughs> what a piece of shit is Fuel. What a <laughs> I cannot I get it enough. I, I just—it's so funny because it's—you know—you hear one Fielding Yo story, you're just like, "Wow, this guy's a total scumbag!" And then you're just like, and then and then it just seems to—it it seems like every year you hear a new Fielding Yo story. It's like, well, you heard about? Yeah, sure, you heard about him trying to blackball uh, Notre Dame after they beat him. Uh, and then claiming that it wasn't that big of a deal. But have you heard about him <laughs> spreading the rumor that Rockney refused to pay for George Gibbs' funeral expenses? Like, oh, wow. Wow. That's just really petty. That's extremely petty. He's the worst. What a fucking bastard. He's the worst. Absolute bastard. <sighs> that, no, that's, that's a great pick. That's a heavy hitter. It's, it's a heavy, a heavy hitter. hitter. I mean, it's the heaviest hitter. Because that's, that's right down in Delore. Yeah, that's like, I mean... Yeah, but Gip, you know, we get we get drunk and sleep on the steps. Uh, so I mean, listen, I'm just, I'm not gonna do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the the stuff that went on back in Notre Dame back in the day is just incredible. Uh, there's so many great stories that today would be like tragic scandals, right? Like I guess to get a little bit of a spoiler here. Uh, I am working on a a, a Notre Dame uh, book report. Uh, so this is throughout this whole coronavirus thing, uh, you know, everyone's like, well, "What are you reading? What are you watching?" You know, all this stuff. So I decided, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my Notre Dame football uh, book library, and uh, we're gonna do one. So I, I started started reading a, a book that I've I've read a thousand times, um, and just a story about like Moose Krause. Uh, you know, just stuff that went on there. Like where he, he actually picked a professor up and threw him across the room because, uh, you know, his grade was uh, – he thought his grade was was wrong. Uh, you know, just shit like that. Uh, and Gip, is that, Gip, is that bad? Should he have not done that? Well, according to, according to Rock, he just he just made a, a bad decision at the time. We'll take care of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really – I love that time in, in, in American history and in, in Notre Dame history. Uh, where there was a lot of foul shit going on that 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 people that like to to prop up Notre Dame as these uh, I'm talking about Notre Dame fans that prop Notre Dame up as these uh, do everything the right way kind of guys. Uh, all you gotta do is go look back at the the Rockney and Leahy eras, and there was all sorts of crazy shit going on. Um, it, it's all fantastic. We're not talking about like like selling you know four kilos out of a trunk uh, and gunning down somebody uh, shit. It's just this is this college football player shit. Uh, but Moose Krause throwing a professor across the room, which he said that he, he later on, he went on to uh, be, become friends because the professor did screw up instead of a 30%. He actually got a 78. Uh, and then he talked about them playing golf later in life. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but 
the stuff with Gip that Gip would get away with. I mean, talk about all the rules at Notre Dame, and I think of how Jude, you went there, so you know how parallels go and all of that stuff. You know, think of how it was tough it should have been way back then. Uh, you know how brutal it was before Vatican II, for God's sakes. Um, and yet there's these stories about all these guys getting away with this stuff or the stuff that they did. It just cracks me up. Uh, just funny. I mean, Gip's one of those guys. He was yeah, uh, a, gambler, a, a gambler, a drinker, a, a guy that was just kind of live carefree. And yet he was one of the great, uh, great Notre Dame athletes of all time. and lives in legend forever uh, because of, because of how he went out and how rock ended up using him later, later on after his death. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's an absolute great, was a, that's an all time, that's an all-time heavy hitter. If there's a, if there's a category of heavy hitters, he is an all-time heavy hitter. Yeah, I mean he's he's right up there. I well, I mean that's that's the legend. I mean he's right up stuff, there with, right? with like, Rock himself. Yeah, it's I like mean, with uh, Elmer Layden and Crowley oh, and Don Miller, right? I mean we're talking four horsemen level. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So <laughs> that that's def, that's a solid one. Um, so I. I think in that spirit, I got to stick around with, a, uh, I, I got some more, uh, personal heroes. Uh, and I, but this is definitely a personal hero, but he's also a heavy hitter. Um, and that's fullback number 44, Mark Edwards. Nice. Yeah. And not outside of the fact of just that he was one of the last pure hardcore fullbacks in Notre Dame history. Um, that was like a, a stud playing fullback, but like, look, he, there was a two game stretch in the 95 season where Mark Edwards was God. Um, it started against USC, uh, where he had like, he had 82 yards rushing, which isn't, isn't a lot of yards, but he had three touchdowns and it's, it stopped the bleed again, or it, it not stopped the bleed. It kept the streak going against SC. Um, and then the very next game, against Boston college and Notre Dame was on a two game losing streak to BC, uh, at that time. And stop the bleed there. I mean, the entire first drive, I think every single play was to Mark Edwards. If it wasn't a trap or a dive or a, or a pass out to the fullback, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, I think every single <laughs> play was, Mark Edwards. Uh, I think he had, Oh, like 167 yards rushing. I don't know how many yards receiving, but he completely owned it. And, and by the way, against USC uh, that week before the BC game, Mark Edwards was fucking carried off the field. Now, I'm sure many of you out there have watched the movie Rudy and made a, and they made a big deal at the end of that movie talking about how no player was carried off the field after Rudy. Well, hey, Mark Edwards. A guy that actually did something to get carried off the field and not done as a fucking joke. Uh, I mean, in the, in the defense of Rudy's uh, producers, that movie came out in 93 and Edwards got carried off the field in no. 95. Is that what you're saying? No, yeah. I, no, I, no, I get it. But, you know, it, but people would watch that and, and still kind of have that thought in their heads. Like, right. oh, and by, you know, by the way, it was a joke more than anything else. Bob um, Davey got but, carried off the field. I do love the fact that oh, you know you know who else got carried off the field was a uh, was Nick Seta against Purdue. Really, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, kicked that field goal to beat uh, Purdue. He was carried off the field. I love the fact that I I, I catch shit from it from friends of mine that that aren't Notre Dame fans. Uh, So many of us were together. I don't know why we were all together that day. We were watching that game, and I was flipping out. And then we win, uh, and 
I, I don't remember really anything from that game. I honestly, I don't, I was fucking blitzed, but to this day, uh, when we get into like college football arguments and discussions, uh, one of them will throw out the, well, we didn't carry our kicker off the field after beating Purdue. Yeah. After uh, beat Purdue. Wow. <laughs> hold up. Hold up. Jude, let me ask you a question. Do yeah, you sure. remember, do you remember about a month back when we did a, uh, draft of the Brian Kelly era? Uh, I'm not familiar with that. No. Do you remember? Do you remember Josh's strategy for the for the draft? Yes. What was uh, his strategy? Uh, his offensive strategy? Yeah. What was his offensive strategy? To uh, to bring back the T formation. All right. Let, let me uh, let me hold up for a second. Let me uh, let me break something down for you. So so Josh picked Jimmy Clausen. Yep. Not an Brooks. option quarterback. <laughs> he picked Brooks, Bus, nope. and Edwards. No 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 no. Jude picked T formation. I picked I picked Brooks. No, Jude picked Brooks. Oh, oh okay okay. <laughs> but I like where you're going with that. I thought you were trying to rebuild the 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 T formation through your heroes as well. Mark Edwards' champion jersey was the first jersey I ever coveted. That's the first jersey I saw hanging in the bookstore saying, and I said, I know who that is, and I want that. And I never I got was, myself. But I, a I lot of people, a lot of people, green Ron Paulus jersey. I had a Ron Paulus. I had a blue Ron Paulus champs. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted that green, and I got it. I, I wore the numbers out. Because you remember the jerseys back then, the, the 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 way that they worked, they were the mesh, but the numbers when they went through the the washing machine enough times, they just wore right off. So well, yeah, yeah, I remember that. But yeah, Mark. I mean, Mark Edwards. I mean, through his whole career there at Notre Dame, just I mean, it was an amazing, amazing player. Uh, I mean, we all think of him as uh, old number forty-four, but you know, as a freshman, he was number thirty. Uh, <laughs> he had a, a great. 40. He had the bowl. He had the the. The bull nose ring, uh, face mask. I mean, just there's so much about him, uh, how he played, how he, I mean, hashtag Ohio. Uh, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated too, right? Nor- Norwood, Ohio, by the way, Norwood High School, uh, legend. Uh, it, he was part of the class that, um, that was the one where where Holtz brought in all the Mister Footballs from as running backs. Uh, you know, Edwards. Edwards was. Um, uh, Edwards and Farmer and Kinder were all Mr. Footballs of Ohio, Michigan, and and uh, Illinois, uh, which is a crazy thing to think about. Um, it's crazy, but uh, but it was awesome. I mean, it was awesome, and I absolutely love Mark Edwards. Those were just two games, two examples, uh, but he was stellar throughout his entire career at Notre Dame. Uh, then went on to uh, win a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. So it means he's probably what uh, Lloyd Gilman's probably going to do with, one uh, Tom, <laughs> with Tom yeah. Brady, right? Yeah. 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 Chris. yeah. Chris Fink for sure is getting drafted by Tom, by uh, Patriots. <laughs> Who signs first Chris Fink or Lloyd Gilman with uh, new England? Uh, it's a good question because, uh, well, it depends on who signs their contract first because they're both going there. So I, I don't know how the contracts are going to work out. Who's, who gets it done first? You guys are funny. All right, let's let, let's do uh, let's do one more round, one more round here, guys. All, All right. right. Well, uh, I'll step in. Um, we'll go back to 2002. It's one I've been sort of holding on to, and it uh, adds to my disdain for the University of Michigan. And let's go with Shane Walton, the hero of 2002 Michigan Notre Dame game. Notre Dame is winning the game 25-23, or winning the game 25-17, and. Uh, Michigan scores the touchdown, gets it to 25-23, and they go for two, and Shane Walton bats a pass down. 
Michigan gets the ball back after Notre Dame is driving, and he is able to seal the game with a game-winning pick that uh, helped jumpstart. We're taking it full circle. Farnes battle kept it going with Michigan State. Uh, Shane Walton was really the one that uh, against Michigan that that puts put the Irish on the map uh, to 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 start things off with the the win the home win against the uh, the, the Wolverines there. So I'm going to have to go with uh, our, our good boy Shane Walton, 2002, the greatest uh, Notre Dame defense of the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years? Is that fair? It was an, it was an amazing group. I, I, For what I the know. offense brought to the table and what, it, I mean, Justin Tuck and Shane Walton and just the players that were on that defense. There are, guys, there are people out there who are 30 years old who probably don't have a great grasp of uh of just how good that unit was and how much it meant to Notre Dame's uh smoke show of a uh of a season of a start of the season. I mean it was <laughs> you know we met, we mentioned it with when I talked about Vontaze Duff against Purdue. I mean they didn't score a damn touchdown offensively and they still they won twenty four to seventeen. That that's what kind of defense that was. They went out there and and uh it put the game on their shoulders that season. There's, Incredible. All right. I'm going to uh, close it out for tonight with uh, God. I mean, you mentioned Joey Gatherall and I really should pick him because Joey Gatherall was kind of a personal hero of mine, which is that Joey Gatherall and I are approximately the same height and approximately the same weight. Um, but it, Joey Gatherall could run like the wind and I, and I could not. Um, so I'm tempted to pick Jerry Gatherall, but um, I'm actually going to go with Harry Oliver. And I think Harry Oliver's story is really, uh, really interesting to me because uh, Harry Oliver made a very clutch field goal against Michigan in uh, 1980. It was a 51-yard field goal, which for college is actually a pretty long distance. Um, but the backstory here is that Harry Oliver wasn't a starter at the beginning of the year, and this was only the second game. Uh, he had never made a kick longer than 38 yards in a game in his life. He that's high school and uh, whatever he had played in college up to that point. And he'd only played in one game prior to that. And this, this was only his second ever field goal attempt as, as a, uh, as a college player. So talk about pressure. Um, this game is literally one of the few instances in which Notre Dame won the, won the game on the final play of the game. Uh, so again, he hits a 51 yard field goal. Uh, Beauchamp Blacker famously says that the wind died down right before Harry made his kick which allowed him to split the uprights. Uh, Harry was five foot 11, 185 pounds as, as kickers are sort of want to do anyways, left-handed, especially uh, back then. Yeah. Left-handed kicker, uh, soccer style kicker. So kind of a, a, a kind of a, a rarity as an oddity or whatever. Um, but yeah, Harry Oliver first kick in 1980. That's a real hero moment. Another solid, solid choice. And, uh, nah, I mean, from a heavy hitter era, I'll say. I think that, you know, a lot of guys that played in that uh, heavy hitter era, uh, we could definitely prop up as heroes. But Oliver, that, that, man, that, that story right there proves it alone. Uh, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I think with my last one for tonight, I'm going to go with something fairly recent. Oh, and uh, the T is going to complete the T. <clears throat> Shut up, Brendan. <laughs> it's going to be controversial. All right. It's going to be controversial. But Brandon Wimbush, 2018, 
Michigan. Oh, the H back. Now, <clears throat> now listen up closely. I've told this story many times, but it needs to be repeated many more times after this. Leading up to that game, Notre Dame was an underdog to Michigan. It was Michigan's defense was just too incredible. Blah 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 blah. Uh, the the hype train for the revenge tour was was alive and well. They were going to come into South Bend. There's no way we were going to score on them. Uh, yada yada yada. Uh, in Notre Dame's Notre Dame's fall camp, there became there was some huge eyebrows being raised uh, once we started seeing some actual footage of Brendan and Ian Book uh, throwing in practice. Uh, basically, Wimbush couldn't hit shit. He <laughs> he could not hit the net, uh, you know, in drills. I mean, it, it was bad. And and so the story goes is that pretty much Ian Book won uh, won the job in fall camp. Uh, it, it should have been his. However, Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, Chip Long, they, they just kind of felt to beat Michigan, they needed they needed something out of the legs. And so whose legs are better, Ian Books or Brandon Wimbush? Well, it's Brandon Wimbush. So, you know, long story short, Brandon Wimbush be- ends up becoming Notre Dame's starting quarterback, goes against Michigan, and look what happens. I mean, there was many things that went throughout the game. Look, Notre Dame beat the dog shit out of Michigan. There was how that game was even close at all towards the end. And I nobody was sweating it out uh, there at the end. Notre Dame's defense was... Uh, so incredible. Shea Patterson, such a trash quarterback. Trash. Uh, it, but it was Brendan Wimbush's legs that won Notre Dame that game. There was a third and 18. Uh, you know, he took off and he got the first down. It was just so many opportunities. It was that game plan of like, look, we're going to need our quarterback to gut some out on the ground uh, to move the ball. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, the I don't know. Pass, the deep pass to Fink, too. I don't think. Yeah, the, the pa- Ian Book doesn't throw that ball. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it was risky as fuck. Uh, it, we're lucky that Fink. What's your um, five foot nine white wide receivers got to go post yeah. guys? So okay, but, book doesn't book doesn't make that throw. Yeah. Uh, so to beat Michigan to start that great run, uh, we needed Brandon Wimbush. So Brandon Wimbush is a hero. I mean, it. You know, let's take it. Let's take it further than just that game. We we needed Brandon Wimbush. If if Ian Book plays that game, we don't win. No. All right, Brandon played. We won. But take it further. You have two bad games in a row from from Wimbush, uh, and that's the time. You know that's why Notre Dame was so quick on the trigger. Even though you won the games, they knew what they had because really it should have been Book, but you go with Wimbush, and then you just don't you don't bench Wimbush after Michigan. How the hell do you do that? But the, they did it after the <laughs> Ball State and Vanderbilt games going to Wake Forest. Ian Book comes in, does incredible. Book gets hurt against Northwestern. Uh, was it wait, was it against yeah it was against Northwestern he broke a rib or whatever kidney uh, senior day Brandon Wimbush I mean it, it was such State. a great moment to have for him to come out there and just basically just school Florida State uh, and look the guy never there was never any like bullshit you never heard about Brandon Wimbush he was a great interview he's a great kid uh, good representative of Notre Dame. Um, and you'll never hear anybody say a bad word about him f- from within that program. Fans are assholes and fans will trash him for no reason, you know, just because they want to talk shit. But for within that program, people that cover him, 
we all have nothing but good things to say about Wimbush. Uh, and to me, that that's a that's a good sign of a of an actual honest to God hero. The, the guy was was a Notre Dame guy through and through um, and handled all that uh, with such class. And again, he was the reason Notre Dame was able to go to the playoffs that year because they absolutely needed him to beat Michigan. Yeah, he balled out against USC the year before. Brandon Wimbush was, and then I, I think he does he hold the record for rushing yards for a quarterback against uh, against Boston College, right? It's BC. It was like two. Mm-hmm. It was two something. Right? Yeah, it was. He was. It he was. was he was catching up to Julius Jones on that. <laughs> I, I mean, he he came damn. I mean, Jones is what two sixty three. Two sixty three. Yeah, what it was. Yeah, two sixty three. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I want to say Wimbush. It was like 228 or some shit like that against BC. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, that's a, that's a lot of yards uh, on the ground in Boston. So, but Brandon Wilbush to me is, will always be a hero. Uh, not, not the heavy hitter, uh, but we don't have that season without him. No, absolutely not. It's a lot like Tommy Reese in 2012 against Michigan, um, sort of ironically. Tommy Reese in 2010. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy Reese was a bad, well, not like, against Michigan. Was a, that was that was a disaster. Our, our <laughs> the, the flea flicker was a disaster. Wide. Our parameters for heroes are pretty wide. I mean, is Andrew Hendricks a hero for 2013 SC? <laughs> uh, what was your favorite um, play of more than eight yards against USC, uh, orchestrated by uh, Andrew Hendricks in that football game? <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised he got he actually got an eight yard pass off. Man, he looked terrible. It was like a worm burners. It, it was, was bad, uh, but they won. As, they as, did as win. because Andrew Stephon to it was a one man wrecking machine. It sure so. was. Andrew Hendricks is one of the few uh, success stories for Notre Dame quarterback transfers. <laughs> <laughs> how, how amazing is that? Demetrius Jones is a success story. I would unless argue. you want to go back to a uh, Kent Graham, a linebacker. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. See, you want you want to think about? I, I don't I don't know if I go back that far to Zach think about Frazier. It. Oof, too soon. Hey, he came back. He came back and came back and beat Notre Dame. He got the dub. Yeah, he got the dub. Ugh, I, brutal game to be at. Absolutely brutal game to be at. Well, so yeah, so that's that's part was, one. This was fun. Uh, you know, the whole thing with the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus or whatever, it's just it's so all consuming of my regular day. So it's nice to for an hour, or some minutes, just get on with you guys and talk about happy memories, because frankly, I've got enough stuff going on that's causing me anxiety. And this was just this is more um, this is this is just enjoyable. So I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to hop on with you guys again tonight because um, I'm having fun. I'm having a good time. Absolutely. And like I said, there is another episode of this to come. There, there, I'm, so stop, stop yelling at us, uh, <laughs> your, your earbuds. Uh, there is like, like, where's Tony Rice? Where, Roger, what the hell? Uh, yeah, we did, I don't think we named one, uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, you know, that, this whole thing without saying Brady Quinn's name or Jeff Samarja or 2006, uh, UCLA. <laughs> but, <laughs> but hey, this is just, uh, like one of the first things I said on this podcast was there are many, many heroes uh, throughout Notre Dame's time. And there's many ways to classify them. You know, there you got your, you got your moments, right? Brendan, you got your moments, you got your big times and you got your favorite players. You got your, your, your all time greats. 
Um, so we're just spitting off guys that, that have made an impact to us. Um, and which has been a lot of them. And the, maybe, maybe we're more justified in, in talking about, um, talk about Deke Cooper, uh, and Vontaze Duff, uh, and Deshaun Kaiser, because, you know, look, 15 years from now, uh, I would hope, you know, people are bringing them up, uh, in the same manner because of, you know, because that's what they are. They're all time Notre Dame heroes, uh, as, or I don't know how Jack Dolan would say it, but, uh, uh, he'd rip it off somehow. So we got anything else to add boys? Uh, do you got anything, Jude? I got, I got something. We'll let uh, Jude say something nice and inspiring first. No, no, go, go for it, please. I mean, it, I'm just, uh, I just can't wait for, uh, Josh to, to explain to me, uh, after we get with this next heroes one, um, if he was to classify each Notre Dame, the last 10 Notre Dame quarterbacks that have started a football game as uh, Disney movie villains, uh, what do you got? <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm three bourbons in at this point of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one, Brandon. All right, I but, can't uh, wait for, I can't wait for you that's to right tell up, me. That's in my wheelhouse. Uh, right in your wheelhouse. Um, yeah, I, I just can't wait for you to, to tell me all about uh, Jarius Jackson being a lot like Ursula because uh, a lot of different tools and skill sets. Uh, you got anything, Jude? Uh, yeah, I, this is the first I'm hearing of it. No, I'm just I'm laughing. So <laughs> you poor, unfortunate souls. I'm, think, I'm thinking of Jarius Jackson out there with like tentacles. Tentacles. <laughs> And so, like, look, like, like Jude said, everyone, this whole, this whole uh, coronavirus thing is, is obviously it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, it, it's according to everybody, this is only going to get worse. Uh, it's going to get wild, y'all. Uh, if, it, if it already isn't wild enough for you, it's going to get more wild. Hang in there. Uh, hopefully, us, this podcast, the website, um, you're going to see. We put up a story today about Tyrone Willingham being the number 10th ranked. Uh, no, none of us on this podcast wrote it. <laughs> I, got, but, I got real issues with that story, but <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah, I we'll, think, we'll hash it out in the comments section. Uh, as the uh, emperor imagine editor, I was uh, a little hesitant to publish it, but that's somebody's point of view. That's I'm, uh, hey, I, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to no, censor we, that. Yeah, we, we always say we're not a monolith here. We have, we no, have divergent no. opinions. That definitely proves that uh, that point. <laughs> Um, but so look, we're again, we're going to keep things, uh, the same as we always do it. I mean, we're just, uh, we're just us here. Uh, so what, what gets put out there gets put out there. Hopefully it, you know, it helps distract you from the fact that you're going to have to teach your kids, uh, <laughs> yourself now and, and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, whether you need that 20 minute break in the bathroom, uh, to read a quick story or, or, uh, I, I got to the, the sad part is, guys, I think that we're a podcast that people like to listen to for commutes. Like a lot of mm-hmm. reviews have talked about, you know, my drive or, you know, my commute to work, blah, blah, blah. So hopefully they can find a place within their days of uh, self-isolation uh, for us. Don't play this with your kids around. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to – I have to censor myself enough. I, I'm not going to do it on this podcast. Um, so if you got a problem with the language, uh, uh, I don't fucking care. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it is what you can go listen to another podcast uh, that can't come up with topics because nothing's happening. Uh, I got topics. Uh, we got plenty of them, uh, but you're going to get a couple F bombs. 
Sorry. Uh, not sorry. So anyways, so just, you know, stay sane, uh, stay positive, um, lean on your friends, your family, uh, but from a distance uh, <laughs> and, and lean on us, uh, just kind of get you through, uh, through your rough parts of your day. Uh, and with that, uh, uh, I, 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 one more thing, I'm sorry to keep you going on here, but, uh, one more thing I, along with, um, I already dropped the thing about doing a book. Uh, I will be doing an accompanying podcast, uh, with that book. So you'll start seeing it if you're subscribed, which you should, and you should be leaving us five stars and reviews. There's no review, new reviews to, uh, to read, um, this week, but, uh, but there'll be eh, maybe like every three or four chapters. I'll, I'll, I'll drop a little, little podcast. It, it won't be called off the rails. It'll be like uh Notre Dame book, book cast. I don't fucking know. It'd be something lame like that. Um, and then, uh, so that, so that'll pop up in your feed. Just doing everything we can to keep, uh, keep saying y'all. So for everyone over at, uh, OFD, Go Irish.